0: Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye, If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body should be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. (coughs) Mammon speaks of wealth, riches. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, What ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on, is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them, are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought can add one cubic unto his stature? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. I want to uh, concentrate our thoughts primarily in verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness in all these things shall be added unto you. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you for the word of God. I thank you for another privilege to stand and preach your word. Lord, I realize that I'm as any other man. I pray, O God, that you may use thy unworthy servant for your glory. Give me wisdom and understanding and help me to rightly divide the word. And present the message in a way that will honor the Lord. Lord, meet the need of every heart in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. (coughs) I want to talk to you on Jesus first. Last Sunday night, I think it was, we brought a message on first things. (coughs) And tonight I want to talk about uh, Jesus first. Webster defines first as preceding all others in order, time, excellence, are the leading one. You know, it's one thing... (coughs) to say that Jesus is first in our life, and it's another thing for Him to be first. But the Lord wants to be first. He doesn't want to be second or third, and I'm afraid many times He's last. But He ought to be first. He ought to be number one in our life. I was visiting a school and talking to the principal, and he has two small children, and he was telling about... uh, Uh, those children, he talks to them and he said, Who loves you more than anybody in the world? And they would respond, Mom and Daddy. He says, We want to be first in their life. We don't want someone else or something else to be first. We want them to be able to come to us in their time of need. Of course, uh, he was not saying that Jesus was not to be first, but was emphasizing that, a parental connection, but Jesus needs to be first when it concerns our faith. Ecclesiastes twelve one. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. Well, God tells one to be saved when they're young, for a number of reasons. The primary reason is that uh, that the uh, the chances of being saved later diminished with the passion of time. The older a person gets, the, most, uh, the, the less likely that they are to be saved. Most people are saved when they're young. That's why he says, remember thy Creator in the days of thy youth. But I think there's another reason, because when you get saved when you're young, then you have your whole life to live for Jesus and lay up treasures in heaven, as the Bible tells us here, so that you have something to to count for life, for us being here. You know, if if a person will sit down and evaluate the thing, what is life? Uh, What is their life anyway? Is life, material, things, gain? Uh, Surely it has to involve more than that, because if we had it all, we'd have to leave it. So how important are things? Nothing wrong with having things if things don't have us, but that's not the essence of life. That's not what life is about. And so uh, we certainly, the important thing is to be saved when a person is young, live their whole life for Jesus, and have something when they get to the other side. Have something to, to, that counts for something and is important. The Bible says, now's accepted time, now's the day of salvation in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and verse number 2. So the first thing to take care of is the matter of faith. And Jesus Christ uh, is, of course, uh, ought to be number one in our life in that area. In the book of Mark, chapter 12, let's look at that, please. Mark, chapter 12, and we have, of course, uh, the great commandment. In Mark, chapter 12, page 1062, and verse number 28 through 30, And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, ask him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And you find that in Deuteronomy, he's quoting from there, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength, this is the first commandment. Now when we love God like that, then, then we love Him supremely. We love Him with all of our heart and, and with all of our soul and with all of our mind and with all of our strength. Now when He talks about heart, He's not talking about the, the, the muscle that pumps the blood throughout your body. He's talking about the inner man, the real you, the person that thinks, the seat of emotions and all that. And he says to love God with our mind, with all of your mind and with all of your strength. Do we really love God with all of our mind? Is our mind consumed with thoughts of the Lord? I'm afraid that our mind many times is consumed with everything else. What what do we talk about most of the time? Whatever you talk about most of the time is what you're thinking about. And the fact of the matter is that most people don't talk about the Lord a whole lot which tells me that most people are not thinking about the Lord much. You know, I was talking to a preacher, and he was talking about uh, uh, how it was and the corruption of society and the depravity and all that, and, and, uh, and I relayed to him, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be, where God said that every imagination of the thoughts of the heart was only evil Continually. I wonder what God sees going on in the minds of people these days. You know what I think he sees? I think he sees corruption. I think he sees lust and wickedness and evil. And I believe it is a continued thing in most people's minds. And there's very little thought given to the Lord. And uh, a lot of things have contributed to that. Uh, Probably television more than anything else uh, has, has created that process. Uh, to where we the, the wrong influences many times uh, and the Internet, they tell me that there's things on the Internet that are, that are unbelievable. And, and all these things are poison in society and poison in the mind. And we've lost that quiet time. The word muse means to think. The word amuse means not to think. And, uh, you know, someone was talking to someone recently about, about porches. You drive through a community now, and I realize it's getting colder weather now, but back in the summertime, you drive through a community, you'll be hard-pressed to find anybody sitting out on the porch. When people's day is done, they're sitting in front of the television. Isn't that right? And, uh, and there's very little quiet time in most people's life, the time that they have that, would be, that could be used for quiet time is taken up by, by TV and, and other things until there's very little time in their life at all unless we're sleeping. And when we're sleeping, many times our mind is so full of the world, uh, I, I really I don't think there's very much real prayer going on. Because most of the time, uh, we can't even get ourselves in, in the condition to pray. Sometimes when I sit down to study the Word of God, it may, take, it may take an hour to clear my mind of all the concerns, and they don't have to necessarily be sinful things. I mean, just things of of the world and responsibilities and this and that 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 so cloud our mind and, and we're so overwhelmed with these things and these thoughts until sometimes when we sit down with the Bible, we can't make heads or tails of it, can't make any sense of it. Because, you know, God just don't operate that way. You know, you just can't turn God on and off. <laughs> you know, good time to study, I guess, and pray is in the morning, early, isn't it? When you get up before your mind's already taken up and clouded with things of this world, and you can have that, that quiet time with God. And listen, if you survive in this world, you better, you better set aside some quiet time with God, or you'll not make it. Spiritually speaking, I'm, I'm speaking of. Well, Jesus is to be first. And we're to to love him with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind and all of our strength. And when we serve God, serve him, serve him to the best of our ability, put our best, put everything we have in it, give him the very best that we can do. He's worthy of it. Jesus ought to be first in our faith. Let me move on. Jesus ought to be first in our family. Who's the most important person in your family? If I asked your children, I'd say, Who's the most important person at your house? What would they say? They ought to say the most important person in their house is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is number one. Mama talks about Jesus. Daddy talks about Jesus. When we eat, we pray and we thank God for the food. We read the Bible in our house. Jesus is important. He's number one down in our house. He ought to be. He ought to be first in our family. And uh, he ought to be given a place, a place of importance uh, at home, and and in our life and in our family. I'm convinced. I'm convinced that I'm in church tonight serving God because of a mom and dad that believed that God was the most important person in in, in life. And uh, if it had not been for that, I don't know where I'd be. I'm sure I wouldn't be in church. I'm sure I wouldn't be serving God, but because I grew up in a home where the Lord was exalted and church was important and we went to church. And frivolous things didn't keep us out of the house of God. Because we believed that church was important. We believed that the Bible was important. We believed that prayer was important. We believed that God was number one. And that's the way it ought to be. I can remember walking as as a youngster. Of course, we walked to church. We lived over a mile from church each way. And, And it was nothing to walk to church and get there 30 minutes, an hour before he tuck up. Now we have our automobile and sometimes we can't, we can't arrive on time uh, with all the conveniences. And we walk to church and went to revival meetings three or four miles and walk sometimes across the cow pasture uh, and, 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 those, and in the dark. <laughs> yeah, some of you remember that. And you went to revival meetings and the preacher would preach and preach and preach and preach, and preach some more. And those, <laughs> those services, you didn't get through in an hour, you was lucky if you got through in two or three hours. But Jesus and God was important. He was number one. And he deserves to be number one. Well, I think about Abraham there. In the book of Genesis, let's turn there and look a, bit, a little bit about Abraham. In Genesis 18. Genesis 18, the Lord there has revealed to Abraham and Sarah that they're going to have a baby. And Sarah laughs. <laughs> and uh, uh, the Lord, uh, the Lord uh, uh, asked her, said, Sarah, uh, wherefore, or talking to Abraham, wherefore did Sarah laugh? Sarah said, I didn't laugh. Oh, but the Lord said you did. He said, God knows all things, and he gives that great statement in verse 14 of Genesis 18, is anything too hard for the Lord? Aren't you glad, thank God tonight, that nothing's too hard for Jesus? God, my God, can do anything. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And then the Lord said about Abraham in verse 18, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him, for I know him that he will command his children in his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. God said about Abraham, one thing you said about Abraham, he's going to bring his children upright. Abraham, God's going to be number one in his life. And of course, you know that Israel later on got away from the Lord, and let's turn to Psalm 78, and we'll find out why this happened. In Psalm Psalm 78, and uh, verse, uh, verse 1, Psalm 78, page 636, Psalm 78, Give ear, O my people, to my law, incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done. For He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which He commanded their fathers that they should make them known to their children that the generation to come might know them even the children which should be born who should arise and declare them to their children that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. It might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. God said that the fathers, I made known these truths to the fathers, and, the, and they were to teach them to the children. And likewise, they were to teach them to their children. And then they were to teach them to their children. And that has to be done. You know, we're only one generation away from. Forgetting God. You think about uh, England. I'm told that only five or six percent of the British people go to church, go to any kind of a church now. Uh, a country that used to send missionaries around the world. A country upon uh, who it was said uh, the sun never set on the British Empire. And yet that country forgot God. And that great Spurgeon tabernacle there, that great master of preachers that preached a thousand. Someone said they went there and there might have been 25. What happened? They forgot the Lord. In a generation or two, they forgot God. And the parents did not teach their children. And they forgot the Lord. And you know, there's a danger in compromise and and, uh, uh, generation to generation. A lot of times you you see... the, the grandparents, and they have a standard and they believe in God and they believe in the old-fashioned way. And then their children, they're not quite as, you know, quite as uh, religious as their parents were. And then the grandchildren, they're, they're not quite as dedicated as, as their parents are. And down the line you go until we find ourselves away from God. God have mercy on us. We need to put Jesus first in our families. Joshua in the book of, in the book of Joshua, chapter twenty-four, as Joshua is getting ready to die there, and they're getting ready to go into the land uh, there, and uh, of course they possessed a great part of the land at this time. And but in Joshua twenty-four, and uh, verse uh, fourteen, now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood in Egypt, and serve you the Lord. If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, I used to read that and I used to think well, now here's Joshua and he's got these little kids running around. He said, now you can do what you want to, but we're going to serve God. Then I read it again and I said, no, it isn't that way. Joshua's getting ready to die. Joshua's an old man. He's got children and grandchildren and no doubt great-grandchildren, maybe great-great-grandchildren. And he says, we're going to serve God. Now, I want you to know what that tells me about Joshua. That tells me Joshua had done a good job. That tells me that Joshua had put God first in his life and those children for now following in the footsteps of Joshua and those grandchildren are following in the footsteps of this great man of God and they're all going to serve God. What what a blessing it is when your children serve God too, when your grandchildren serve God. Sometimes it don't happen that way and many times the hearts of parents are grieved because of wayward children. Uh, But many times children don't follow in their footsteps because when they were young, maybe we want to soul out to God as we ought to be. You know, there's a high price. In fact, I have a message I preach on the high price of disobeying God. The high price of, of uh, of course, I mentioned being saved uh, uh, at the beginning. And the high price of waiting till later to be saved. Thank God, God will save a man if he's 80. He'll save him if he's 100. If he'll come to Christ. Many have to live with a broken heart of children that grew up in an environment where they didn't know God and the Lord was not mentioned, and the Lord was not exalted, now children won't serve God. And they want nothing to do with God sometimes. And then there's a high price of backsliding on the Lord and getting out of fellowship with God. And I've seen that happen. I've seen, I've seen church members backslide and get out of church. And then later on, they get back right with God. But their children no longer will serve God because during that period of time, their children also got away from church and away from God. Now they want nothing to do with the Lord. And what a tragic, tragedy that is. What a sad thing that is. Put the Lord first in your family. And then thirdly, Jesus needs to be first in our finances. And that's the central subject of Matthew chapter 6 that we read at the beginning where the Lord says, Lay up the treasures in heaven where the rust and the moth don't corrupt. And person may say, Well, you know, I, if I don't do this and do that and do the other, uh, then uh, then I won't have anything. Oh, but God says, consider the lilies of the field. He says, don't I take care of them. Consider the fowls of the air and the birds of the air. Sometime out there deer hunting, sitting in that tree stand, those little birds will come up and they'll chirp and I'll chirp back at them. And I don't see any deer. I don't see a whole lot of deer, but I see a lot of birds. And so I play with the birds and... <laughs> and uh, make the best of it <laughs> and the squirrels and and uh, the turkeys i've seen a bunch of turkeys uh you know it's bad that you can't kill them this time of year strange to me why why they let you hunt them in the spring this is thanksgiving this is turkey time <laughs> but they won't let you kill them uh but anyway uh god said i take care of the birds of the air i i feel i feed the fowls of the air i make a way for them he says you're more important than flowers and you're more important than birds he says if you'll put me first I'll take care of you seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you Proverbs 3 verse 9 and 10 honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase so shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine He's not talking about alcoholic wine there but uh, grape juice. But anyway, the first fruits of all thine increase, whatever God sends your way, the tithe is belongs to the Lord. And uh, you know, uh, Harold Souther, I think it was, said, I never saw a tithing faithful Christian that God didn't take care of. And I believe God will do that. God will provide for you if you put Him first, first in your finances. Put the Lord first. God, God taught me that many years ago. And God's provided every need that I've ever had. And more than I need, really. We all have more than we need, don't we? The Bible said having food and raiment be there with content. I've got a lot more than that. And we're so blessed of God. But put God first in your finances. Give the Lord, give the Lord the first. Give the Lord uh, the tenth of all of our increase. The Bible said in Exodus 23, 19 and verse 34 and Chapter 34, verse 26 says the same thing. The first of the fruits of thy land shalt thou bring unto the house of the Lord thy God. This was God's way for Israel, and it's God's way for the church. It's God's way now. Put God first in your finances. I heard a story, and I've told it, I guess, many times, about, uh, about this fellow that uh, he didn't have anything, and, and uh, he got saved, and... And he was making $100 a week. And uh, he began to give the tithe to the Lord. he brings bring his $10 to God. And uh, then the Lord began to bless him. And it wasn't long that he was making a lot of money. He was making $1,000 a week. And he came to the preacher and he says, You know, man, $100 a week, that's a lot to give. The preacher says, Well, let's pray about it. So they got down and started praying. Said, now, Lord, called his name. Says, when he isn't making $100 a week, said he, it wasn't hard for him to bring that $10. But said, now, Lord, he's making a 1000 a week, and he's having a hard time giving that $100. He's struggling with it. And so, Lord, I want you to, to d- decrease his pay where he's just making $100 a week. He said, oh, wait a minute, preacher, wait. <laughs> Don't pray like that. <laughs> It's all right. I'll bring the hundred, no problem. <laughs> well, it should be a lot easier to give a hundred out of a thousand. It would be ten out of a hundred, right? But sometimes uh, we uh, uh, we don't know how what a blessing it is and how how blessed we are. You know, sometimes I think. Well, my dad tells about uh, uh, you know when you the prices of things you, you know you could go to the store and five dollars get more than you can carry home and you know now you need a, about all the money you can carry to, to, to get the necessities but uh, but in reality I guess we're better off than we were then when it comes right down to it we live in nicer homes and we have we have more conveniences than than they did back in those days and really if we live like they did no electricity and no running water and all that sort of thing. It wouldn't take a whole lot to live, with. it, it grow to everything you eat. Uh, but we're blessed and we ought to thank God for it. The Jesus, Jesus needs to be first in our finances, first in our family, first in our faith, first in everything, don't you think so? I think Jesus ought to be number one. And children need to grow up in an environment where it's demonstrated that the Lord is number one in our life, that he's not secondary to anything. He takes precedence over everything. He's number one. He's going to be number one in my life. We not only need to say it, but we need to demonstrate it and act like it. And I believe God will honor that. Bless our heads.